Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you ready to brawl? That's right. We have another edition of the Backyard Brawl, which means our complete coverage throughout the Sports Now family of networks. I'm Mike Oste, and I will be joined by Carl Ludwig of Pittsburgh Sports Now for our PSN and West Virginia Sports Now preview show of the 106th Backyard Brawl between West Virginia and Pitt. This one, the first in Morgantown in over a decade after last year's historic game at Acushire Stadium in Pittsburgh and this game means a lot to both programs to both fan bases really to a lot to the media that's even covering this game really in the region but especially to both teams this year maybe even more than going into the game last year because that was week one and he kind of had the cockeyed optimism and didn't know what these teams are going to all be about now we are in week three they're both one and one and both wins are only in FCS games so nothing to brag about and then disappointment otherwise so we will see what happens in this week three edition of the backyard brawl carl what are your thoughts in terms of the excitement level entering this game because i want to start there before we really unpack this there's actually been a debate and some of our colleagues have argued that a backyard brawl pit west virginia it always means a lot it used to mean a lot more when they were in the same conference of course you had the record-setting attendance the taylor swift then decided the break but still owns it for the uh, the sports record at acushire stadium last year that was a rocking atmosphere to say the least we were both there in the press box i see it on social media i see preview shows we're churning content on both sites it's not different than last year but I could maybe see an argument, and I have seen this made, that the excitement level entering this game is not what it was entering the game last year. It's a little dissipated. Do you agree with that? Is that maybe just looking for something that's not there? Like in Pittsburgh, I'll tell you when I was in Morgantown the other day, it still feels like there's an energy. It is a rivalry game, but it doesn't probably feel like what it was, you know, of my youth entering this game. Like, is that the case? And why would that maybe be? Um, I, I wouldn't say that there's less intrigue for it. Um, I think everyone's excited for it still. I mean, it's not yeah. the first game in over a decade like it was last year. It's yeah. not the opening game of the season where both teams have such high hopes. Um, but if you go down to pitch practices, they're playing country okay. roads on a loop. Um, the players are very excited. Um, Frank Zanetti Jr., who is Pitt's offensive yeah. coordinator, he has long, long ties to West Virginia. He's excited. He I does. think everyone yeah. around the team is very excited for this game. Um, and I think the, the general noise about not being much hype is kind of just kind of media. Yeah, it could be. Storylines. I mean, I, I, I think both teams have a lot, of, a lot of stake here, a lot to prove, yeah. especially Pitt after a really bad game last week. So I think both teams will enter this game fired up. 
um, in Morgantown for the first time in over a decade. So there's there's plenty of hype here, plenty of uh, of anticipation from Pitt side at least. I'm sure it's the same for West Virginia as well. Yeah, and it could be a media thing, but it's just an interesting tidbit that's out there because it also could be that you're comparing it to when they were in the same conference and going into those games. It might be unreasonable. Like that, you play in the game is great. Both sides want to play it. Who knows when they're going to play it again, but I certainly believe they're going to play it again based on what you're hearing from both sides. But maybe the hype that ever is going to exist at a conference in this college landscape is never going to be what it was because that was just insane going into those games, certainly growing up with it. But nonetheless, the backyard brawl is here. And as you mentioned, having it be in Morgantown, a prototypical college town that is all about WVU, it might be a little different than having it at Akershire Stadium in the North Shore, a home game for Pitt. Like that's the difference of Pitt playing at a pro stadium versus West Virginia and certain programs playing at college stadiums where it's a full-on college feel that's a whole debate for another day for Pitt fans but obviously it was a rocking atmosphere and he had the attendance record last year and just seeing tailgates it was wild but you still got to wonder like what that would have been like if that was on a college campus because that was the first game in a decade this is going to be on a college campus this is going to be at a college stadium where it's a college town, but it's not the first game in over a decade in general. You did have the game last year, even though this is the first one in Morgantown. Carl, I'll go to Pittsburgh Sports Now. Mike Oste here of WV Sports Now as we're talking brawl. Now, do you have any thoughts on, on this game? Because this was a debate, too, that I do want to kind of just talk about here briefly. Last year was week one. Neil Brown mentioned this, that he actually thinks week one is when this game should be played, if it is their only Power 5 non-conference whenever they're out of these contracts. And clearly that's what they want at West Virginia, to be their out-of-conference schedule. But they would be fine with doing it week one. You would have a hype machine no matter what. You'd have probably a lot more former alums and notable figures talking about the game going into it. Maybe there would be intrigue no matter how good or bad these teams are because the weirdness throughout the history of these programs, as I'm sure you looked at, they're very rarely both really, really good at the same time. Usually it is one or the other. West Virginia's recent heydays, Pitt was down. West Virginia's been down in recent years where Pitt's been up. So if you do it middle of the season, even now, you might have some fans probably already, certainly after Pitt's last result, thinking, ah, you know, we're going to lose this. If I can't go, am I tuning in past halftime? Where week one, again, you have this optimism no matter what. There are some that want this game moved to the end of the year, even if it stays out of conference. And there are out-of-conference rivalries in college sports that stay at the end of the year, even though they're not in the same conference anymore. Do you like this middle of the season, kind of at the end of -of out-of-conference play? Do you want this week one? Or would you actually support moving this to the end of the year, which would then, I guess, you go out-of-conference schedule, in-conference schedule, and then this could still depend on your overall year at the end but of course that would then also depend that if a team is well out of it or both teams are well out of it then what intrigue would exist for that game as well yeah i, I can see both sides of this um obviously the, the the hype factor for week one is huge um yeah entering the season last year the hype was outrageous everyone was was amped up ready to go but i do like it being at the end of the year um kind of okay. in that rivalry rivalry weekend um it kind of just it just adds a bit more like in, in today's college football with with realignment taking away a lot of rivalries, 
Um, there's still a place for non-con rivalries, and it'll, it'll get even bigger in the future now as as more rivalries are broken up. Um, I think playing in that last weekend, even with the even if stakes aren't super high at times, it's still a chance for for chaos to ensue, as was the case in yeah. the late 2000s. I mean, they're, they're, those games matter no matter when it's played. Yeah, you have the, the 07 opportunity that you right. wouldn't you have, have now. Like, like, for that. example, yeah. if, if West Virginia had that Pat White team now, I mean, you could still argue it. Like, for example, Pitt fans, I'm sure, could argue that the re- the reason why they weren't in the playoff with Kenny Pickett is because of that group of five loss earlier in the season for the overall resume. That's been talked about. So you could argue that, like, Western Michigan ruined Pitt's year to get in the playoff. But at the end of the day, it doesn't feel the same energy as doing it at the end of the year that like 13-9 did, obviously. Like that's just not the same. It, it might factually be the same in a resume, but if Pitt would have beat that West Virginia team in week three, and then you look at resume and say, well, if you right. West Virginia had that win, it would be different. It wouldn't right. feel the same. <laughs> you are running the risk if both teams are average, then the national networks care about at the end of the year. They may still care if one team is a lead and one team could upset and have a, a major historic upset. But if both teams are average, if you're looking at like two seven win seasons or anywhere from five to seven, like if a five and seven West Virginia team played a seven and five pit team. Yeah. There's not end of the idea. year, but at week one, you would still maybe get intrigue that I, that I guess is the risk of the end of the year. I guess it's about kind of keeping up that intrigue in the brawl, even if both teams are bad, just playing hard nosed, rivalry yeah. football um which is it's hard to do sometimes but especially as the games come back now it should still be i mean it's still a, a top rivalry in college football even yeah. if the teams aren't great so yeah I and you do it, no matter when you play it, it's still people people will watch it yeah and i i'm not I, maybe this takes away a little bit of it this year in comparison to last year again last year was the first time in a long time and that was week one but i feel like the, the argument really the crux of this is whether you would want it week one or at the end of the year I, week three does feel a little bit like you're missing the boat here but part of that again is the schedule west virginia was going to penn state in week one so it probably would have been hard and then pitt had the fcs game but yeah it feels like week one or at the end of the year would make sense and you do have some like florida florida state People bring up Kentucky, Louisville, South Carolina, Clemson. Like these schools do throw it at the end of the year. I think also what's not talked about, especially among Pitt fans, is these conferences aren't the same in how they do schedules. So like I think it would be harder for West Virginia to have it be that way because they only get three out-of-conference games. So you then would have two go fully into the conference schedule and then when nobody nobody else has these – natural out-of-conference rivalries except for Oklahoma State with Oklahoma. But Oklahoma doesn't really care to play Oklahoma State anymore if they're not in the same conference. So unless you refuel that, and maybe Nebraska plays some teams, but they're like irrelevant, so who would care about that right now? You would have everybody else go into conference play in week three, I guess, or week four, and I don't know what would happen in week three. And then West Virginia would jump out of it at the end of the year when no one else is doing that. So you're arguing... The argument would be like, why should West Virginia take like the 13-9 risk when nobody else is doing it in the entire conference? They're almost doing it for the fans of the brawl. And I will tell you. Yeah, I mean, but uh, in, that, in that same aspect, there are there's a, a, a different pit rivalry that's kind of predicated on taking that risk. And yeah. I think that the pit fan base has more respect for West Virginia because they want to keep playing the game. They want to have the games happen across all sports where 
on the other side with a school yeah. in Pennsylvania. Right. They are very, <laughs> yeah. they, they're, they're very, they're very anti-Pitt, Penn State. Right. So I think right. the, the respect factor and, play, and wanting to play the games no matter what, for if it's not money, it's not for the chance of having a, a, a lost season. Yeah. It's just, it's the backyard brawl and, and fans want to see it. And so does the, so so the admin. Admin and the coaches, they all want to have the game happen because it's the backyard brawl. Yeah, and I think that that's something that both fan bases should appreciate. I've said it on pretty much every show previewing this game and all over the place that I don't think this can be stressed enough, as you're talking about there. In this college sports climate, again, ask Pitt and what they're dealing with with Penn State, and Franklin can say what he wants. Yeah, Penn State's the obstacle here. <laughs> if if Penn State wanted to play it, they probably would eventually play it. They played West Virginia, and West Virginia, going into the game, Neil Brown said, I don't think this is a rivalry. Like it almost is like West Virginia is saying, you know, we're playing it, but like they probably should be playing Pitt <laughs> um, because we're not much a rivalry, but with them. But in this climate of college sports and this realignment, if two teams are not in the same conference, unless both sides want to play it, it's not going to happen. So right. there is a sense that Pitt fans do need to appreciate that West Virginia, all the way from the athletic director down, are saying this game should be played. And the same notion for West Virginia fans with Pitt. And as much as West Virginia has been complaining about their schedule, for better or worse, and that's an annoying for some <laughs> and maybe an excuse for others, the first sentence to all of that is always, Neil Brown and Ren Baker, to their credit, has always been, but we should play the back or a brawl. So... They're all on board with the brawl, regardless of what anybody else wants to do with the schedule. So that's at least a good thing. But that now will allow us to talk about the actual game. Because all of the conversation about when the game should be played and where it should be played and who should have home, you know, home first and you know the schedules and all of that and who should play who on any side of any rivalry in college sports, it doesn't matter. If you don't start winning some of them and Pitt does have the win from the rebirth of the backyard brawl in Pittsburgh last year, Pitt was a better team last year for sure. They've been a better team for a couple years. West Virginia fans can't even really argue that, but that was also a really, really close game that West Virginia, I will tell you after the game feels like they let that get away. They still feel like they should have won that game, even knowing they weren't even a bowl team last year. And if you swing that game, they actually would have been a bowl team. So that was a really classic close game at the end you have the interception at the end you have brace for wheaton dropping a pass you have a lot of moments in that game even controversy neil brown i think if this era ends up with him being fired this year people at west virginia are going to forever remember decisions in that brawl that if he made the other one they feel like could have went the other way but going into this game odds makers are kind of split there were a lot of people picking West Virginia. This is a home game for the Mountaineers. They didn't look great in the FCS game, despite eventually winning it big. Pitt is coming off a loss to Cincinnati, and they won their FCS game. West Virginia looked kind of okay against Penn State early, maybe better than what people thought, but then Penn State clearly was the better team and pulled away. What are your thoughts about how this game is being viewed going in? Do you think there's any disrespect factor to Pitt being so much of a better team in recent years? This is a road game, but... For odds makers to be split on this, maybe that's outside of conventional wisdom. Do you think maybe it makes sense for West Virginia to be favored on what you've seen weeks one and two so far for both of these two teams? Like, why do you think the odds are split going in, I guess, covering one of these programs? It's at home. It's in Morgantown for West Virginia. Pitt's been better, but 
the, the betting line's going all over the place. And actually, there's some recent bets in the last 24 hours that seem like people are leaning now towards the Mountaineers. Right. Um, and like you said, it's a home rivalry game. It's under the lights at uh, Milan Puskar is huge. That's a, that's a massive factor. They round, a loud, rowdy crowd. Yeah. Um, but also, Pitt has a lot of questions that it has not answered yet. Um, quarterback, offensive line, offensive scheme, defensive line, linebacker. I mean, there's a lot of questions that Cincinnati exposed that will need to be answered very quickly. Um, Pitt had a really bad game against Cincinnati. I mean, they, they came out and they handled it. They, Wofford was, was a breeze, but Wofford also is a, is a – they're an FCS team that, that right. was not comparable. Cincinnati came in as a seven-point dog, came in and from the first snap kind of handled business. They, they, they ran all over Pitt. Um, they, Pitt's offense couldn't do a single thing against them for three and a half quarters. Uh, it was just – it was a really eye-opening game that exposed a lot of the what-ifs for Pitt in, in a negative way. I mean, uh, Phil yeah. Drakovic was, was very, very bad for a majority of the game. He, he, his, his throws were off. His, his footwork was off. He just he, he didn't look comfortable the entire game. I mean, 10 for 32, 179 yards. Um, That's a stat line Pitt fans are going to memorize if this doesn't go well. Right, right. right. The, the, it, like, it's, it, it, 10 for 32 is, is in brain, grained in my brain. I don't cover Pitt, yeah. Right, and, and he he went for his lead receiver on eleven targets, and there was not one catch made there. Yeah, not one catch. They had eighteen carries from one, and for for a team that 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 runs the ball well, eighteen carries is unacceptable. Um, when Pitt went to its playmakers, they made plays, but that wasn't always the case. And then the run defense, as it was last year, uh, Donaldson came in last year as an unknown and just gashed the run defense. The same thing happened this year against Cincinnati, where in the first half, uh, Kiner just came out and ran all over him. There were some adjustments at the half, but there are, there's tons of questions for this team that have not been answered yet. And going on the road against a tough, tough team like this isn't a recipe for figuring it out real quick, at least in, in betting odds. So I can see why it's a split. Yeah, and I guess this game being in West Virginia is part of this too. I feel like if this game was in Pittsburgh, that Pitt probably would be more comfortably favored with now kind of odds being split because the only argument back to that is even though Pitt is coming off that loss and they look so down. And and honestly, Carl, what I've been saying that I thought West Virginia could win this game for a while and thought Pitt was vulnerable here, Cincinnati kind of put the blueprint to beat Pitt and it almost is what I thought West Virginia maybe could do to the Panthers in this game, and we'll see what happens. But West Virginia did not even look that great in the FCS game. Like, if West Virginia played Duquesne and just blew their doors off, I mean, we're talking 14-7 here, 14-10. We're talking an hour and a half rain delay. We got lightning out on the field. And that then ignited West Virginia to explode on offense. And then you saw West Virginia win that game comfortably and win it really, really big. And they actually ended up being able to cover the Vegas line there at the end because they kept doing work, which was kind of funny based on what happened in, in state college. But it's still hard to get over that that was an FCS team that made you sweat a little bit early in that game. You mentioned Pitt versus Wofford. I mean, it wasn't even close. It was obviously a power team versus an FCS. That wasn't the vibe the first quarter or so. And they were West Virginia fans, as you know, that are just the program's been down. 
they were arguing that, oh, man, we're going to lose this game a, a quarter or so in. That was probably never reality. Like, there is an incredible disparity between even a bad or an average power team versus an FCS team. That was never something that I thought was even in the realm of possibility. But it's hard to go out of the game and feel really good. Like, Neil Brown wasn't pumping his fist in a, in a post-game press conference. His, his first words were, we got to win. We made it harder than it had to be, to paraphrase. So taking all that into consideration and then seeing people pick West Virginia when nationally everyone said they're going to win two games, even though that's probably sensationalism a little bit, it feels like a lot of these bets are off of people maybe thinking Pitt is overrated or being down on Pitt. Like a lot of this might be about Pitt because of that game against Cincinnati more so than even about West Virginia and the fact that they're home. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the uncertainty around Pitt um, is a major factor here. And then just playing on the road in a, in a night game against West Virginia, it's just yeah. it's a environment to with. I mean, you saw last year, Pitt, Pitt was a better team last year. It was still yeah. a important game all the way to the end. So I think playing on the road um, with this team that has tons of questions is definitely a factor in, in having a very slim some betting odds um, entering the game this weekend. Yeah, Carl Edwigo, Pittsburgh Sports Now, Mike Osti, WV Sports Now, our Sports Now preview show here of the Backyard Brawl. This is the first one in over a decade in Morgantown after Pitt won it last year, setting the attendance record at Acacia Stadium. And we would also be remiss if we didn't mention, and I'll give the nod to Mike Montoro, who threw this out there and everyone's been running with it. I understand Pitt played Duquesne on a Saturday night. I understand Pitt has played or West Virginia has West Virginia played Duquesne on a Saturday night last week and West Virginia has played some night games. They played Baylor at night last year, which one, which was one of the few wins. This is the first true Saturday night game in Morgantown and they're finagling this. So this is the first Saturday night game in Morgantown with a start time of after seven o'clock because obviously Duquesne and West Virginia played at six since 2016. So it's been a while. It's been a while. And that's 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 Dana Holgerson. That's prior to Neil Brown. Neil Brown's never had one. So if this is it for him, he at least gets one because this is this used to be a staple of the West Virginia program going back to even early Richrod. So this is that first true night game on a Saturday night after seven o'clock kickoff in Morgantown for a while, which I think also can hype up the fan base, regardless of how they feel about the team to want to kind of own that time slot, which was the previous mindset of Mountaineer fans. So there is a lot that Pitt is going to deal with in the game. And also, the fact also remains, and Pat Narduzzi's talked about this, there are a lot of West Virginia fans that live and work in Pittsburgh. And there are a lot of people that could be at the brawl in Pittsburgh that are West Virginia fans that don't even have to travel because, again, they just live in Pittsburgh. Or there might be an, an interest of West Virginia fans who travel from you know northern West Virginia to get to the brawl, probably more so than the reverse. There, there are probably always going to be more West Virginia fans. I'm not saying 75%. Obviously, that's just ludicrous. But there probably always are going to be more West Virginia fans that will attend a brawl in Pittsburgh than Pitt fans that'll be able to go down there in Morgantown. And it might not even be that they don't, the interest level is just the fact that West Virginia has really tried to clog the tickets. Um, they've tried to do different things with season ticket packages, et cetera. They try to make it difficult on Pitt fans. Pitt fans are bringing this up. So I don't know what the contingent of Pitt fan is going to be there 
I, I do not believe going in that there are going to be as many Pitt fans in Morgantown that there are West Virginia fans at the brawl last year, regardless of what we think of percentage-wise. So it should be a significant home field advantage for the Mountaineers, and you figure a, a, a rowdier and more electric crowd than even that Duquesne game, of course, because that was an FCS game. Now, getting to the game, though, I've always felt that if West Virginia was going to win this game, it was kind of, again, going to be what Cincinnati did last week to Pitt, where it would be getting to Phil Jakurvic, having him make mistakes. Maybe he would throw a pick or two. And the thought process going into the year for the Mountaineers was the secondary was deeper. You have PFF talking about Aubrey Burks could have a big year and get to the NFL. You talk about a guy like Beanie Bishop from the Big Ten coming over and being a leader to this team. And yet the West Virginia secondary has just been so, so bad and has been clearly the weakness of this team. They feel like they can be better. They should be better. I do think they should at least be better than what they've been week one or two. But the recipe to beat Pitt for the Mountaineers feels like is also ironically the weakness of West Virginia, which I'm sure also means that Pitt and Fujikovic are going to throw, throw, and throw and test out that secondary to borderline embarrass them early on. Neil Brown has said some changes are going to be made. So I'm not even sure who's going to be out there and how long they're going to be out there. But it feels like a West Virginia win would probably be a pick or two, and maybe even defensive score in favor of the Mountaineers and mistakes for Pitt. Is that kind of how you also would see it if West Virginia would win this game? Like, what are the keys to you from the Pitt side for this game to get Pitt off of that Cincinnati mindset, back going and getting this win in a difficult place to play? Yeah, well, number one, like you said, is pressure. If they can pressure Jakovic all night like Cincinnati did, it'll, it'll be a long night for the offense. I mean, Jakovic wasn't very good against Cincinnati, but the offensive line, especially the interior, was was bullied all night long. And, and uh, Jakovic is a mobile guy. He can move. He can make plays on the run. Right. But if he's, if he's running for his life on more than half his dropbacks, he has no chance to make a play. And if, if West Virginia can generate consistent pressure from the inside, then it'll look similar to how it did against Cincinnati. Um, and if Pitt doesn't choose to, to establish the run and run the ball more than it did against Cincinnati, it could also be a long night. I think Pitt will run the ball more. I That's an interesting question then. Because, like, for example, Penn State early on against West Virginia, Drew Aller throwing a bomb because he didn't think the secondary was that good and they were testing out the secondary, like I'm saying. Are you almost saying that for Pitt, maybe the reverse, that they, they if they worry too much about trying to embarrass the West Virginia secondary, they might get away from themselves and they just need to go to the ground and maybe throw a big play or two here or there, but it cannot be all about the West Virginia secondary? Like, they need to well, establish the run? Well, against Cincinnati, Pitt came out with three straight passes, all of them okay. incomplete. They, they had they had back-to-back three and outs, just – Three passes, three runs. Right. Um, didn't work out at all. I think I think Pitt will have its chances to make those deep balls, but it should not be dependent upon Dojakovic just launching up deep ball after deep ball. <laughs> as as was the case against Cincinnati, it did not work. It, it was very unsuccessful. Okay. And if Pitt wants to win this game, it has to rely upon Rodney Hammond, Steve Lemister, and Daniel Carter in the run game. Because the passing game, for all the hype in the offseason, is still not quite there yet. Maybe that's changed in practice. Maybe that was a huge emphasis. But the deep ball against Cincinnati was, was putrid, non-existent. <laughs> um, so they, can, they can't just come out and think, okay, poor secondary. 
let's just test them all night. No. Right, right. If they, if they run the ball, get the run game going, get some RPOs, get some play action going, chances should be there. Um, you'd think that would be the plan heading into the week, but who knows? Maybe, maybe Pitt does see what you see and they go, okay, we'll dial, dial up some deep balls here and see what we can get. But I don't think that should be the plan though, against West Virginia. At least open the game up. Okay. Now, for Pitt defensively, though, they're going to be facing a West Virginia team that's also, again, it almost seems like maybe the recipe for both of these two teams offensively might be very similar because the Mountaineers are a ground-and-pound team. They want to click three, if not four, running backs. They finally unleashed Jaheim White, who's a Pennsylvania product, actually, against Duquesne. He did not play against Penn State. I think Pitt is well aware of who C.D. Donaldson is this year. I don't think they knew who he was going into the game last year. And Carl, admittedly, I, I would I didn't know much about him going in. I don't know if you knew much about him going in. The man was a tight end who barely practiced much, didn't get any reps at running back. Whenever he did, the media wasn't allowed to be there. Neil Brown admitted he didn't know what to do with him prior to the season last year. Threw him in at running back, and he was a beast. And even after the game, Pitt fans were saying, wow. Like, it's almost amazing he hasn't transferred out. He is still there. He could be the beast. He could be the athletic player that maybe creates some big plays for the Mountaineers, and it's him on down. So they got a lot of yards against Duquesne, but it took a while to establish it. That's what they want to do, though. I would imagine for Pitt, number one, defensively, they probably are saying to themselves, that's all great, and you might get a lot of yards because you're West Virginia and you're going to run, and these are great running backs. But for you to beat us, I want to make Garrett Green do with his arm. There's still question marks around Garrett Green's arm, even though Neil Brown says it's better than what people give him credit. He's thrown some passes. I think he's looked a little better than people give him credit with his arm. But he's still that dual-threat QB that maybe makes too many mistakes and tries to run a little bit too much and makes poor decisions when he's going to run versus pass. I'd imagine Pitt wants him to beat them with his arm. And if Garrett Green goes out there and throws 300 yards with his arm on 30 passes, they probably say, you know, what can you do? We were wrong but they probably would yeah. rather live with that than the Mountaineers that win a 400-yard rushing performance and turning back the clock. Yeah, if if if, if they win the game, West Virginia wins the game, it's because Garrett Green carved up the secondary. Um, okay. Pitt's defense under Pat Narduzzi is made to stop the run. Um, against Cincinnati, first half, 180 yards. Second half, I believe it was 48 yards. So they made adjustments. And last year's game being um, the season opener in the brawl, Yeah. Um, they had no idea Donaldson would go off like that. They had it was a new defense. I don't think Pitt West Virginia knew that was going to happen either. I mean, no one, no one, it was that right. was a shock to everyone. Yeah, but Pitt was still adjusting. They hadn't made their checks yet. They hadn't went back and watched it and and, and reapplied it for next week. So I think having that Cincinnati game is a big one for run defense. Um, they can they can watch what went wrong, watch the fits, the gaps, the scheme, and kind of game plan more for a strong rushing attack. Um, but as Pat Narduzzi's defense do, it'll be all about stopping the run and generating pressure on Garrett Green. So if they want to win the game, it'll be because Garrett Green can stand in the pocket and make throws or evade pressure and make those off-platform throws. So it's really, if Garrett Green can be the, 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 the passer on the run or in the pocket that, that they want him to be, they have a chance to make some plays there. Now, do you think Pitt's defense can stop the West Virginia ground game because again, even as average as the West Virginia team was last year, West Virginia on the ground was still very, very good. 
They had three players that were churning yards last year. Take Tony Mathis off, who transferred, and it really hasn't mattered. This is C.D. Donaldson with another year of maturity. He hadn't played the position last year. He has some seasoning this year, supposedly healthy, in better shape. His body's better. Imagine him in better shape is basically what Pitt got to deal with because they couldn't handle him when Neil Brown says he was out of shape last year in the brawl. It seems like no matter what happens for West Virginia in the last couple of years, they always get yards on the ground. Do you believe Pitt actually could neutralize that and kind of stop what West Virginia is doing on the ground? I mean, if Pitt stops West Virginia on the ground, they could win this in a blowout. But that seems like a really tall task. It is, it's a tall task. It's a very talented running back room. But Pitt's defense is made to stop the run. Pat Narduzzi, his biggest criticism from Cincinnati was the run defense. He was furious, hated watching that happen. And if I know one thing about his defense, it'll be much improved stopping the run this week. So it'll be a battle all night, but I think Pitt's run defense will be much improved from week two, week three. Um, The real question is is making pressure because it's a a new defensive line room or defensive ends room. You have Dayon Hayes, who's from Westinghouse in Pittsburgh. Um, Great impact maker, but, but outside of him, there hasn't been much in terms of getting after the quarterback. Um, they have some veteran guys. They have some young guys. But generating pressure this season has not been great. And for a defense that is known for tackles for loss and sacks, it's a bit concerning at this point in the season. Um, they had to find a guy or two who can supplement Hayes and generate that pressure. Carl Lugwood, Pittsburgh Sports Now, Mike Osti, WV Sports Now. It is the Backyard Brawl. It's going to be this weekend in Morgantown, West Virginia. The rebirth happened last year, and now the Mountaineers looking for revenge here this season. Both teams 1-1 one one with only an FCS win going into the game, and then some big conference games coming up, and it's going to be a lot of questions around both teams the rest of the season, but the loser is going to really have a uh, – big mountain to climb obviously even more pressure in West Virginia here and as I wrote about I mean this is a lot of pressure on Neil Brown in particular even a bad year Narduzzi's not going anywhere another bad year this probably is the end of the line for Neil Brown and, and he knows that as well as anybody in terms of speed though defensively for Pitt because you're mentioning getting pressure and <laughs> Garrett Green maybe could try to carve up a team I saw he's not what West Virginia wants to happen I think he's maybe better than some give him credit as a thrower, but I don't think he's an elite thrower. Like, if this is thrower for thrower, you'd imagine Pitt would have the edge with Phil Jakovic. He's a six-year vet. This is the first time Garrett Green's been a full-time starter in a college football season and had some some starts last year, but that success, even in the Oklahoma win, was a lot on the ground. That was Garrett Green running all over the place. For him to do it as a passer seems unlikely to win it that way, but what if the pressure causes him to say – I'll throw it sometime, but I also run a 4-5. Can anyone catch me if I try to go the outside? This is not Pat White in the spread offense here, but if in Garrett Green's mind is I run a 4-5 and I'm going to do with my legs a little bit, do you think that's playing into Pitt's hands and they can catch him? Or are they maybe going to realize this again isn't Pat White, but this is a very, very fast man? And it might be hard right. for them to catch him, so maybe he could do it right. with his legs. Well, of course, it's tough to stop fast quarterbacks like that. I mean, he's an agile guy. He's athletic. He's quick. Um, but Pitt does have some athletes in the second and third levels. I mean, they have some fast linebackers. They have some explosive cornerbacks and safeties. Um, I guess it's more about the DNs um, keeping contained. 
if they can contain him in the pocket. But if he escapes, of course, he's going to make plays. But if Deion Hayes and Nate Temple and Nikai Johnson and Bam Brymo can contain him in the pocket, it could be a long night for him. But if he does escape, they have some very athletic linebackers. Uh, Bengali Kamara, Shane Simon, Thelman yeah. DeShields, Kyle Lewis. They have guys who are fast. That's a very fast defense. Okay. The problem for them isn't the speed. It's 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 their positioning. It's their it's keeping their fits. It's playing as they're supposed to in the defense, as opposed to playing to make a play to to play outside themselves. <laughs> so if they don't contain and they don't play the way they're supposed to, Green could have some big plays. He got some long runs where he evades the defense and, and hits the holes that that shouldn't be there but are. Yeah, and that, that is going to be his mindset to do it a little bit with his legs as well. And, and Neil Brown does kind of give him the green light to make decisions. I do think sometimes he actually, and this is weird to say, I think there are some times where he could run and he throws despite the being open space because it gets in his head that I don't want to just be a pure runner. I got to throw a little bit. And then the reverse also happens. That was evident against Penn State a few times. I think there were a few times in that Penn State game where he actually could have ran for probably six or seven yards and moved the chains and then tried to throw and then overthrew the receiver. So then you get nothing out of it. So we'll see. But this is also different than week one. I mean, you have to figure, no matter what anybody thinks of Garrett Green, you have to figure Pitt is going to get a better Garrett Green than Penn State got. Because this is just a couple games in. He's now a starter. He got his feet (laughs) under him, you know, literally or figuratively. More so, more games. You figure he's better. Whereas, again, week one, you don't know. And West Virginia played some of their better offensive football last year in the first couple weeks of the season, despite not winning because of the defense. They then collapsed. So that week one game, you just don't know. Week three, you're a little bit more of a team, for better or worse. But on the pit side... As you've been talking about, so far it's for the worse. So we'll see what Pitt actually is entering this game. You mentioned a couple of them already on defense, but who are some players on Pitt that could really have big games, maybe players to watch in this game, either for Pitt fans or even for West Virginia fans to keep an eye out on? Because some of the biggest time players last year in the brawl, even going to the interception at the end, I don't know if that's what anyone had on paper going into the game. So, like, who are who are some Pitt Panthers that this could be their moment? This could be their brawl. They could live forever in Pitt lore because something they do in this game. Are there Pitt players that are ready to maybe be that guy that aren't exactly who the fans are expecting to be that guy? Um, well, I mentioned Dan Hayes, um, defensive end from Pittsburgh. He's been the most consistent D lineman so far this year. Emily Devonshire, the, the, the Pitt Sakes is still there. Right, right, right. Secondary. That's who I was talking um, about. Yeah, I don't know if anyone thought it would right. be him going the game last right. year. Right. Um, I think the guy who should, they should watch in the secondary, who's not a cornerback, is is Donovan McMillan. He's a Pittsburgh kid from from McMurray, Pennsylvania. He's he he didn't play much against Wofford, but he came in a lot against Cincinnati, and he was probably their best safety against them. He's yeah. He's new. He's he's a Florida transfer, but he's a hard. He's a big physical safety who could be huge in stopping the run. Um, I think he'll have a pretty big – he might not start, but he'll play a lot. Um, okay. I think a, a sleeper name at linebacker is Kyle Lewis, a redshirt freshman. Um, he also does not start right now, but he's played a lot. And as he's gotten more reps, he's gotten more comfortable. Um, he's a he – play, he plays in the boundary, so he'll be, he'll be tasked with a lot of run stopping, a lot of – while dropping back into coverage. Um, I think he'll be very pivotal in, in those delta packages, third down packages where they have to stop the run or stop the pass. 
Um, and then D, so the D line is very deep. Um, they have four guys they roll with, four veteran guys they roll with. Um, David Green from the Central Catholic, which you're very familiar with. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, Deandre, a Central DeAndre, DeAndre Jules, um, Tyler Bentley, and Devin Danielson. And they're all big, yeah. very, they're very, very big, they're very, very strong, but they're, they're not the fastest guys. So if they can if they can stuff up the interior of the line, which they haven't done a great job at yet, that can also help with the interior pressure and, and kind of run stopping against Donaldson and and, yeah. and Jaheim White and all them. Yeah, and I would say from the West Virginia side on the same type of deal, it probably goes to secondary again. Probably guys like Aubrey Burks, Beanie Bishop, Anthony Wilson is one. He actually put out there throughout the offseason that he wants to play like Carl Joseph, which was all an eye popper. There actually were some that even argued you can't do that legally anymore. Like, I'm sorry. You you can't. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, your dream right. is 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 over because of the rules. So those are players. He's a transferdition that he wasn't a part of the game last year. Beanie Bishop was not a part of the game last year. Aubrey Burks was, but last year in the brawl was his first time as a starter. This is now a full season of it, and many West Virginia coaches and even others around the country are saying that he could be a fringe NFL player. A moment like this is how you bump. So if Phil Jakovic is going to be throwing the ball, I'm not saying they're not going to run, but if he's going to be throwing the ball. Even if he has 25 to 30 pass attempts, there could be opportunities for those guys in the secondary. And then offensively, I would think somebody like Colt Taylor also maybe could emerge in this game as a tight end. He's a pass-catching tight end who wants to be the full package. He'll tell you that. He never really was utilized at LSU. He's a transfer. He also wasn't there last year in this game. West Virginia does have a lot of pieces that weren't there last year. He's been used. He hasn't had a big moment or really a, a big game yet as a Mountaineer. and. I think if what you're saying happens, yes, Garrett Green could try to do with his legs. I'm sure he will at times. And maybe every now and then there will be a big play deep that he may look for. He did actually have a, do a better job of finding deep receivers against Duquesne than he did against Penn State. That was the problem against Nittany Lions. He missed a lot of them. And Brown talked about that. But if he can't find one deep, the security blanket is supposed to be Cole Taylor. This is a big body tight end. So if he can get himself to basically always be kind of underneath there and maybe Garrett Green could scramble and maybe he could have like a five or six reception game and kind of save him and be that security blanket and bail out those possessions, especially on the RPOs, that could allow Cole Taylor, even if he doesn't get in the end zone, to kind of be an underrated player in this game if West Virginia moves the ball on a regular basis and certainly if they win. Maybe you're probably looking at Cole Taylor anywhere from six to eight receptions for like 60 to 80 yards all just kind of five, six, seven yards off the RPO. The green finds nobody else. Instead of with his legs, he looks to Cole Taylor, who's a big body tight end, and he makes the catch. That's something that I, I'd wonder if maybe if Pitt is matched up for him. Because, again, this is a bigger tight end than normal. I'm sure they can handle him. But that maybe is a player that could try to take over this game for the Mountaineers as well. And I'd imagine they're going to keep going to him and keep using him. And there were some balls kind of overthrown a little bit that he's so big that Green maybe relied on his size too much against Penn State. We'll see if they work those kinks out a little bit now in week three, where maybe Cole says, hey, I know I'm really tall and can put my hands up, but let's not make me jump on every single ball. He's still got to throw it, uh, you know, 
within within my range. I do actually have a range, even though I'm also a big body pass catching tight end. So that's also a possibility here. What does this game though mean for the pit season? Because everybody knows you lose this game and you miss a bowl game again. I mean, that's just below expectations for the West Virginia program. That'll be the end of the line for Neil Brown. You do lose this game and somehow crawl in a bowl. I do think there's a chance Brown could return, but it's not where you want the program to be nonetheless. This matters a lot for the West Virginia program, arguably more certainly than Pitt because Pitt did win it last year and West Virginia has been floundering. Pitt has been up in recent seasons, but what does this mean for Pitt? Because Narduzzi, after the ACC title year, made it pretty clear he does not want that to be an aberration. He wants way more. I think most Pitt fans are probably disappointed in last year despite winning the Sun Bowl. They kind of thought that could have been more. It didn't work out with Slovis. But if this doesn't work out with Jakovic and Pitt maybe is a 7-8 win team again, but they're clearly well below that elite status that Narduzzi feels like they should be, there then are going to be people around the country saying, yeah, you had the pick at Heisman year, but you're always going to be a seven or eight win team. You're never going to get to Ohio State's level. Maybe Penn State shouldn't play you because they don't gain anything by beating you. That whole conversation will probably exist all offseason from Penn State fans. And then it'll be back-to-back years that a transfer QB didn't work out. Like, will that make Narduzzi think like West Virginia did? Like, we got to stop with transfers. Let's try to grow somebody because that didn't work out. Is there pressure? Like, what 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 will be the reality for Pitt if you lose this game? There'll be back-to-back rivalry losses, this one on the road. be one and two with only an FCS win. <clears throat> the elite season's now two years away rather than it being a year ago. Is that going to be a vibe that'll be hard to get over, at least for this season, for Pitt? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a must-win game, but it's it's pretty close. Um, if they come out and lose and recovery struggles, then you're going to have a lot of angry fans. A lot of the whole, we have a very angry fan base. You'll have the first below uh, 500 record since I believe 2020, which is wow. quite a few years ago now. And it's, yeah, yeah. it's it's not the way you want to enter ACC play against the, a, now a very tough ACC schedule. You're playing North Carolina, you're playing Notre Dame, you're playing Florida State, you're playing Duke. Right. So if you enter the ACC schedule, you have some easier games like VT, and then you have Boston College, but if you enter ACC play below 500, and I would not ex- – I mean, I wouldn't expect a whole, whole bunch, especially if they don't show up against West Virginia. Showing up is important here. They come in here – So they lose well. a close game, you could you think Nardizia could sell it because it is the brawl you can't win every single time? Um, and People people wouldn't be happy still, but if, right. they, if they show up and they show improvement and they show that they've worked on the problems in Cincinnati, then I could see, like, okay, it's a tough loss, but – We'll bounce back. We'll play, we'll play UNC at home, and we'll move on. If they come out and it's Cincinnati Part 2, people will be very upset. And understandably, it's you can't have back-to-back goose yeah. against two rivals, rivals for Cincinnati Shore. But a bad loss would, would be crushing. It'd be a backbreaker to the program. The fan base would, would lose a lot of a lot of interest in Narduzzi and even more so in Podrykovic. So it's... it's it's a pretty important game here. They have, they don't have to win it, but it's pretty, pretty imperative to win this game and and to show that they've made the changes they needed to after last week. Yeah, and as much as Narduzzi's seat is not anywhere near as hot as Neil Brown, as you know, and it's almost like it's been forgotten now because he had the ACC title year. It really was not that long ago that a lot of Pitt fans were done with Narduzzi. 
prior to the ACC title year and even after the loss against the group of five early in that season were picking through 60 Ds, but they lost and the defense was awful. There were people saying, you're a defensive guy. Pickett shouldn't have to rely on the defense not giving up 40-plus. He lost to a group of five. We're done. They wanted Narduzzi fired early in the season in which they won the ACC and were in the Peach Bowl. So, again, he's not going to be fired even in a bad year, but I'm sure those same people would then creep <laughs> up and say, Kenny Pickett saved your job. It was Kenny Pickett who did it. You owe, you're overrated. You have the one year with Pickett. You disappointed last year a little bit, and then now you're losing to West Virginia. Like, give Kenny Pickett a gift basket, but but I'm done again. So I, I could see that, even though, again, you're not far removed from a conference title. I'd imagine, though, that even more pressure of the immediacy would be what Narduzzi would do with Phil Jakovic. I mean, he said he's the guy, but that's back-to-back rivalry losses, and you play poorly. He is the transfer QB, but there are some that argue that Slovis was allowed to linger a little too long last year, which kind of ruined the season. I don't know if Narduzzi makes that mistake again. Like, could that be the end line for the local product who didn't come as a high school recruit, comes years and years later, and then have his career be two rivalry losses, FCS win, and just sucking? Like That's the real question. Uh, I don't think anyone's really sure what Narduzzi will do if he struggles again. He was he was emphatic last year in defending Slovis. Yeah, it's been the same way this year for Djokovic. Um, I think if it gets bad, he'll make a change. I think if it's bad, he will need to make a change. Um, he has there, there are guys who who can fill in for him. Um, Penn State transfer Christian Valle, by all accounts, had a great off season, great uh, adaptation to the to the offense. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the real question is, will Narduzzi make the change if he needs to? And I'm not. Not quite sure if he will yet. I think week uh, three is still early because once you do it, it's hard to put him back in. I mean, you're you're done basically. Then I mean, you can literally, but like that would then be hard. You can't flip flop. It's a twelve game season, so I, I feel no, like I I wouldn't I wouldn't do a two QB set either. You have to right. kind of pick one, and especially the this style of QBs because I know that Neil Brown did talk about on the flip side for the Mountaineers early in the year that, okay, he had the battle. It was two, it was two younger QBs. It wasn't like the year before where it was a transfer QB and JT Daniels versus Garrett Green who hadn't done it. That was kind of a mirage. It really, it was such a fake competition that Pat Narduzzi, even before the brawl was like, what are we doing here? JT's clearly going to start, but this year was more of a legit competition. And Brown did say that he could envision a scenario where both played early in the year, even if green or whoever was the, was the winner and was the clear starter. So, I could see some more Nico. Like you obviously saw him in the FCS game. I could see some Nico. I do wonder how, if you see a couple packages for Nico in this game, they're very similar. They're both scrambled. They're both kind of dual threat QBs. One's right-handed, one's left-handed. And that's a whole mental gymnastics of trying to avoid Nico transferring out because green also has eligibility next year. So the whole thing is kind of a mess. But for this year, I could see maybe some of Nico. And if Green would lose this game and then Green would lose to Texas Tech and Green and the team's like one and five or one and four and maybe then Brown's fired, then I could see Nico becoming the starter because at that point you're trying to save maybe him individually versus the program. So I could then see that. But it's not like you have a transfer veteran that comes in in Phil Jakovic. I mean, that also is kind of what West Virginia was in last year. There are some that maybe think JT Daniels was allowed to linger a little long. He had that three pick game against Texas tech. And then that was the end of the line, but it wasn't like he was bad early, even though the team wasn't winning. So it's a short season, 
but this is still early for both teams, but such a big game for both teams because you I've I've put this out there too. West Virginia wins this. I'm not saying people will forget about Neil Brown being well under 500 and the program's still been well, you know, well below what it should be and been really really bad in recent years. But if you get this win, it'll be the first jubilation for West Virginia fans probably in since prior to Brown. Like winning a Liberty Bowl is not going to be this this will be bigger than winning Liberty Bowl. Like they haven't had that moment really and even beating Oklahoma last year Let's stress the Sooners were really, really bad. Like that was the perfect storm. That win won't will pale in comparison to this win. Like if you want to have the city burning some things, this will be the only opportunity probably all year and be the first time in a while. So I don't know if it'll buy time, but if they get if West Virginia gets this win and gets in a bowl game, I'm very confident that's saving Neil Brown's job. You lose this game, even if you crawl into a bowl game, the fans are still going to be down on him. And if you lose this game, it's going to be harder to get in a bowl game because you're going to be then one and two, and the vibe is just going to be so, so bad. This this game is more important than even the brawl last year. Like, th- this game is really now very, very important for the West Virginia program with Brown on the hot seat. Unless, of course, you just want to move on from Brown. Maybe you're rooting against him, which exists. But this game could change the course of the future of the Mountaineer program at least in the short term, if you win this game. And it could even flip-flop the two programs because I don't think Pitt really ever thought they'd be in this situation where they'd be going in the 2023 backyard brawl, risking being below 500 and being mad at another transfer QB with how high the vibes were going into last season or certainly after the brawl at that point where they thought, okay, we're just the same. We're going to be elite. Maybe we're going to vibe for national title. Now it's like, can you get back to major bowl game, let alone going up to a national championship level? which is where they thought they were a couple years ago. So a lot on the line here in the backyard brawl, a lot more than even the picture that we're painting here. But, you know, it's really one of those games that I feel like, I feel like any of these results, Carl, I don't know how you feel. I feel like if this game ends up being a blowout win for Pitt, I wouldn't be surprised. If this game ends up being a West Virginia win and Garrett Green even does it with his arm, I wouldn't be surprised. If this game ends up being a close win for Pitt, that Garrett Green makes a mistake or somebody makes a mistake at the end and there's controversy. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if we got Neil Brown at the end of the game saying it like wasn't a fair game. I wouldn't be shocked if we got the end of the game, Pat Narduzzi saying we got jobbed and like I'm not counting it as a real game either. I wouldn't be shocked if West Virginia maybe even wins this game by a touchdown if you get the pit result from last week in Cincinnati and they actually do what they want on the ground and then Green gives them a little bit through the air. None of that would surprise me. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. There's so many questions here that aren't answered, so I, I, I have no idea right now what to expect for this game. Uh, it's it should be a very it should be a, a, a huge like litmus test for both teams right now entering conference play. I mean, the, the, whatever happens here, I mean, it's week three coming off. They both played FCS, both played Power Five. Yeah. Now it's now they can they can show that they've they've, they've learned and grown. So. What you get this week is more so what will be the rest of the year. So this, this is a huge test for both of them. You would figure, or at least it's going to be the vibes. I mean, right. 
I mean, I'm sure both. Co- I'm sure the losing coach is going to leave this game saying it's you know it's a long season ahead. If we win the rest of these other games, we can make up for this. You want to win the rivalry games, but like I'm sure Narduzzi, if you lose this game, is not going to say the year's over. He's going to say, yeah, "Look, Clemson yeah. lost. Other teams have lost. Like we win the eight. Our goal of going every year is winning the conference. It's still in front of us. All even w- without the coastal, like all of that is still in front of us. It's not." You know, the teams you think we could never beat, they're not who they used to be. We're right there still. All of that, I'm sure he'll try to sell maybe after getting that, and that'll be like the Monday presser. And Neil Brown, I'm sure, will also try to sell saying, hey, if we're right there in the Big 12, it doesn't matter what you do against Pitt. It's the one benefit of it being an out-of-conference game. You know, we did show we're closer, even though we didn't win. We're trusting climbs, and, you know, we got to try to worry about Texas Tech, and all that'll be sold too. I'm sure Mountaineer fans will roll their eyes all through that thing if that's what he's selling. And there might even be some Pitt fans that are rolling their eyes at Narduzzi if they're coming out of a bad performance in the brawl saying, yeah, I mean, okay, being third in the ACC and losing the brawl and losing Cincinnati is not really, you know, I'm not excited. So that'll be the sales pitch for both the, for the losing coach and obviously the winning coach will say, hey, we're kind of playing with house money here. At least we got the brawl win no matter what else happens. But it is a game that certainly can go either way so we got to do what everyone else is doing now what is your pick 106 backyard brawl Pitt has the edge from the rebirth a season ago these teams are very different though so it is even hard to say this is full revenge they're different qbs the same coaches but they are very different right these are two teams that need this win they're both entering this game with a lot of pressure on the program and even what's going on this year to get this win, what do you think happens in Morgantown on Saturday night? I think Pitt wins. I, I, I still think Pitt doesn't have to win the game. I think it's a close game. Okay. Um, I'm going to say 27-21, Pitt win. Oh, man, that's almost the same, the same as the Saturday game. It just Pitt wins it. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. I, I think I think Pitt doesn't have to win the game. They, uh, okay. I think that they don't miss any field goals this time. Um, okay. I think Nukovic isn't as poor as he was against Cincinnati and the offensive scheme is different. Um, so I think Pitt does just enough to win the game. Okay. So you have 27, 21 in favor of Pitt. Now I've been saying this for a while and I do believe this was a vulnerable game for Pitt. I do believe West Virginia certainly could win this game and I've picked him everywhere I've been to the point this week, I'm not going to change now. I do think West Virginia wins this game. Again, the secondary has been really, really bad. And I'll admit, I didn't think it was going to be this bad. I don't know if anyone thought it'd be this bad. I mean, you have more players that PFFs have are good, says are good this year and it's worse. It's arguably worse. So if it, if it doesn't really turn it around, then yes, this could be pitting a blowout. I almost feel like that if Pitt wins this game, they're going to win by at least 10 points, if not two two scores. And West Virginia's secondary is just going to get fully exposed and it's going to be a bad day at the office. But if it's a close game and West Virginia's secondary shows they're better than what they've been the first two weeks and Garrett Green doesn't play away from himself and at least plays smart football, which he's been, even if he's not throwing 300 yards, like he plays smart football with his arm and his, and his legs then I do think West Virginia wins this game. So I'm going to go more in the neighborhood, and I do think it's going to be similar, though. I'm going to go more in the neighborhood of a... I'll tell you, I put 26-16 the other day when I gave somebody a pick. I could see even like a 
20. I think that neighborhood. I think right. that, I think uh, that. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think, I think, it's, I think it's similar. And I guess both of those picks for either side would ruin some, some Vegas bets because, you know, a nine point win for the Mountaineers would not at all be what Vegas is saying right now. It would kind of split even two and a half in favor of you for some. So this might be one of those games that if you're a better, I maybe would argue staying away from a little bit here. Um, but I, yeah, I kind of think like it's going to be one of the definitely going to be field goals needing to be kicked here. I'm thinking maybe a couple field goals, maybe one touchdown or so, maybe the difference in favor of West Virginia. They definitely need the win more. I think they can win it. I do think they do win it. And it'd also be interesting if it's what the result you're saying, because it almost sounds like that if it's what you're saying for Pitt, that they'll win it and there'll still be people wanting Fujikovic out. Like he'll do enough to win, but then it'll be, he's still under pressure for the next game because like you didn't impress me still. So that'll be an interesting way of winning it for Pitt that Pitt fans will say, you win the brawl, but West Virginia's down and you weren't even still good. So like, if we want to be elite, like that's not elite. So we'll see what really the, the perception of both programs ends up being after the game, but West Virginia needs to win more. That's not even really a debate. I do think West Virginia wins this game. I, just in a gut feeling, and I would not again be shocked if we're looking at Burks, Beanie Bishop, somebody like that snags a pick and then flips this, and there's some turnover in favor of the Mountaineers. It'd be very ironic to the, the kind of the finish of a season ago as well. But hopefully, we get this rivalry again, regardless of, you know of who's coaching both teams and who's on both teams, and this happens again. And this is the first one back in Morgantown in a while, but. Both programs want this game again, so that I'm pretty confident this game is going to happen again, especially if West Virginia is on the search for one true power five and that be hitting out of conference play and Penn State doesn't really want to play Pitt. And, you know, I mean, it's like, OK, we're just we both want to do it. Let's just sign the dotted line. Like, I think okay. that that maybe could happen and why you would see this game again in the future. Carl, your coverage is going to be at Pittsburgh Sports Now. Mine is at WV Sports Now. In fact, both of ours is on both sites, actually, um, this week. And all the cliches are there. The rubber meets the road, everything you want to say. We'll see what that does to the pit tires as they go down 79 South. And if the Mountaineers can really do this, we'll see what that means for the West Virginia program or what it would mean to Pitt if they don't do this. Because... I think going into last year was basically, okay, Pitt's going to win. How good or bad is West Virginia? Can they hang with them? This year, uh, there are even some Pitt fans I'm seeing that think this, this West Virginia can win this game. So Very different. Very different yeah, it, yeah. It, do, it does feel a little bit different, even though it's not like this necessarily is that much better for West Virginia team nationally in that perspective. But it, it feels a little different. It, again, it feels like a West Virginia win to me. I've had feelings be wrong before. Everyone's had feelings be wrong before. So we'll see. We'll see if uh, – if it does get the win or not, though. Nonetheless, though, it's gonna be it's gonna be rowdy. It's gonna be electric, as Neo Brown has put it in Morgantown for the 106th backyard brawl. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.